For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. In week 10 of the NFL season is almost in the books. You've got Rams and 49ers on Monday Night Football tonight. If you want to place a bet on any of the NFL action, BetOnline is the place to do it. I bet you're online that nobody thought the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Detroit Lions was going to tie. <laughs> but if you did, I hope everybody did go to bet online. Yeah, I don't know if you bet the money line in this game, Ike, if it's just a push considering it it was a tie on right. Sunday. And we're going to break it down on today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast. But before you tune in and listen, head to the new and updated desktop or mobile website of betonline.he to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav five zero to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined, as always, by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. IT, Steelers and Lions tie, and that makes this Monday morning a little bit more rough. But on today's show, we've got a guest, part of the Believe Podcast Network family. Really excited to chop it up with you this morning. How are you doing this morning, my man? I'm doing good, bro. Um, Like you said, we got a tie going on. That sounds kind of weird, especially to the Detroit Lions. That's even worse. Especially when you was giving the history of 1955, the last time they came in and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Especially the drought that they had against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they found the way. They didn't find a way to win. They didn't find a way to lose. They found a way to tie. And we welcome in Jack Cavanaugh. He's the host of the Believe in Lions podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Ike, we had to keep it in the family. And Jack, I want to say right off the top, Ike and I predicted for a Steelers victory. We did like the Lions to cover what was a nine-point spread. Welcome in. Well, thank you for giving us that much credit. We do appreciate that. But it's just a great Monday. You know, the Lions didn't lose. This is amazing. This was a big step forward. So thank you for having me on the show, even though it wasn't the outcome you guys were really hoping for. Yeah, and Ike, I'm really, I'm really bummed out because the Steelers had an opportunity with a victory to get in first place in the AFC North Division they don't have that opportunity on your Taylor Talk segment and later in today's show. Just kind of give our listeners and viewers a roadmap. We're going to break down kind of what happened in overtime between the Steelers and the Lions. But big picture, Ike, a couple things. Number one, Mason Rudolph can serve as the Steelers' backup. But after today's game, the fans will always remember this tie against the Detroit Lions. And so I know he's the only other but he's the only quarterback on the roster who's under contract through or past this season. But I like him in that backup role uh, is potentially big Ben's air. In my opinion, that ship has sailed. That's kind of my two cents worth. What was your big takeaway from Sunday's game? Ike? Oh, 
man, my big takeaway was the third downs. You know, not 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 doing what you need to do from the offensive side on third down. Because the defense has been playing lights out, to be honest with you. They've been keeping you in a lot of games. If it wasn't for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, and I won't put Cam Hayward as a Hall of Famer. We're going to go ahead and put Cam Hayward as a Hall of Famer. If it wasn't for Cam Hayward and the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, honestly, I think T.J. Watt, Watt got hurt. He came out early in the game. If T.J. Watt was in there, you know, he's the closer. He's Mr. Clutch, and we always do these shows on Monday because of T.J. Watt because he knows how to close. I think if T.J. Watt was in, in the game at the time, it would have been a different story. I don't even think the game would have went down to, to, to overtime. But at the same time, man, it's just third downs, not converting third downs on the offensive side. You know what I'm saying? Crucial third downs on the offensive side. So Mason Rudolph looks like Mason Rudolph, who looks like a guy – Who's, who can't come off the bench, looks like a guy who can win a couple of games for you. If you give the guy a full season, I don't know. It's just for a lot of people, and I think for you too as well, Mark, you don't see that it factor with Mason. And you got a lot of young guys coming out of college. You got a lot of Justin Fields. You got a lot of these guys coming out of college. And what do you do see? You see the it factor. You get a Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts went into the Denver Broncos, and he showed the it factor. Right now, you know, going on your fourth – your fourth year in the league as a Mason Rudolph, you just don't see that it factor. So I understand where you're going with that. But, yeah, for me, it was third down conversions on the offensive side that we didn't convert. I can see Jack right now has a twinkle in his eye. He was not shaking in his boots on Sunday when he found out that Mason Rudolph would be the starter. And the Lions got the running game going too, Jack. But what did you make of Sunday's game? Well, for Mason Rudolph, my first thoughts are when you, there's debate on if you're better than Duck Hodges for an extended period of time, that was the signal for me he's not the future. He's a fine backup, but it just not doesn't have the it factor like a DeAndre Swift has the it factor. Mm. Most carries he's ever handled in his career, and he did his work with and it wasn't just swift it was this entire offensive line because we had taylor decker back at left tackle panay sewell moves back to right tackle plays great and then we get two long touchdown runs from the third and fourth string running back with jamal williams out just this is what the lions want to be as a team when frank ragnow comes back to at center ooh, i am excited for the future so that's what I took away was there's a lot of hope for the Lions once they land the quarterback. Yeah, they had a nice little running game and a career high for Swift, 130 yards on the ground. Credit the Steelers defense for only allowing 16 points because there were times I, I was like watching this game. I'm like, how is this Lions team able to move the ball? I do want to say this too before we go any further in the discussion. We have to say with the caveat, and this wasn't always evident watching on TV, but the weather definitely played a factor during Sunday's game. Oh yeah. I mean that's 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 Pittsburgh still the weather. And I thought it would have it would have been in our favor because the Detroit Lions is not an outdoor team, they're an indoor team. So they don't get to see this kind of weather. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers, it's the same good old Coach LeBeau would have used to say, man, it's still the weather out chill. Meaning, man, when it's raining, it's snowing, the weather is ugly. It's it's about time for us to start waking up. And I thought that would have favored towards the Pittsburgh Steelers. But obviously it didn't. Yeah, yeah. And there was just the the discrepancy, 229 yards rushing for the Lions. I want to move to really the big takeaway other than what my thoughts were about Rudolph. TJ Watt leaving the game with leg injury. He'll undergo further tests on that 
knee and hip, but it looks like he's going to be week to week and miss at least the next few games here too. We'll see how this emerges again. We're recording this on Monday morning, so news can change. I always like to put that caveat in, but this 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 could be potentially a huge injury, especially considering you just traded Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs. You don't have as many, you know, as much depth at that position. You know, insert a, a Taco Charlton, but they're going to even more rely on Alex Highsmith now and Cam Hayward up front if Watt is going to miss some time. Well, somebody got to wake up. You know what I'm saying? I, I think Tua's supposed to be coming back soon as well, so that'll help. But if, if you don't have a TJ Watt on the outside, you know, now you get the double team, you know, Cam. Now you now you get to play one-on-one with Alex Highsmith. And Alex Highsmith, he, he got to wake up as well. So he got to show he can beat the one-on-ones. He got to become an X-Factor because they depended a lot on him. They started depending on him towards the end of last year following this season. So Alex do have to wake up and he have to start making plays. That's the reason why he got rid of Ingram as well because they felt like the young guy could be potentially better than Ingram. So they, they just let Ingram go and Ingram was playing damn good for the Kansas City uh <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. He looks like a, a bully last night. You watched that game. He he really is a run stopper bully. But getting back to the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, it's just tough. When you get a guy who's rare, when you get a guy who's out of space like a TJ Watt, when you get a guy who just leads the league. And sacks them the year to year. When you get a guy who's always competed with a Aaron Donald, when it comes down to the best defensive player of the year, man, that's that's tough. That's tough to do. So now you got to come back with two guys. But when you got a guy like a Cam Hayward, man, you always got life. That's why I talk about Cam. I don't think I don't think Cam Hayward gets the credit he deserves because he's an interior guy. But if you ask anybody, any offensive coordinator, any uh any defensive coordinator, when I saw Cam run down thirty yards to make a play, to make a tackle on the field, that's not normal. You know, guys usually don't do that. But that's just in Cam resume. That's what he do. So, for me, man, T.J. Watt, man, it's going to be tough to replace T.J. Watt because them guys don't come around too often, Mark. They just don't. You know, them guys who can do it all. You know, when you got a guy who can do it all, when you got a clutch guy that can finish a game out to make sure a game don't go into overtime, but now he's hurt and he's injured, that hurts the defense. So, it takes two, uh, two or three other guys to equal that one guy. So time will tell with this outside linebacker position, how the schemes and how Coach Coach Butts and Coach Tom don't want to work that now that T.J. Watt, might, like you said, might be week to week. Yeah, and the Steelers were getting a great return on investment, awarding mm-hmm. Watt that contract extension really on the eve of this season. And, Jack, what I can tell you this is, Watt from his outside linebacker position typically lines up over an opposing team's right tackle. Most quarterbacks in the league are right-handed. So he's Mm -hmm. always in the face of opposing quarterbacks. And you saw even on the play where he got hurt, he's sacking Jared Goff in the backfield. And it was almost friendly fire. He collided with Joe Schobert. They were both trying to chase down Goff. And he leaves the game. I do think it's good that he walked off under his own power. Whenever they bring the card out, you know it's really serious. But as soon as that play happened, it was like, oh, man, like it was like, okay, he's probably out for the rest of today. But how much more time could he potentially miss for the rest of the season? I'm sure the Lions were relieved because you're, you know, no longer have to go up against one of the league's premier edge rushers for the rest of the game. Yeah, it made life a little bit easier on the offensive line, especially when you're coming back from this is 
Taylor Decker's first game of the season and you have to face a TJ Watt, that's quite a test and it becomes a little bit easier. Hopefully TJ can come back soon because he really is the best edge rusher in football. 12 and a half sacks in He's number two in the league in sacks behind only Miles Garrett. Two less games. It's absolutely ridiculous what he's doing. And to just touch on Cameron Hayward for a second, I think he is absolutely the second best defensive tackle in football behind Aaron Donald. Donald gets all the credit, but Cam Hayward is just an absolute monster. And you could tell he beat Jonah Jackson for that sack as well. It was he made life tough on this uh, uh, Detroit Lions offensive line. And Jared Goff, he's banged up too. I'm not sure when that happened but he was getting his abdomen looked at throughout the entire game just the Steelers gave it to the Lions for sure we did not come out feeling healthy after this one you know what that is first game back Jack uh from right from the frying pan right into the fire I mean like oh hey welcome back you gotta go against TJ Watt snap after snap welcome back to the lineup yeah, it's not a it's not a kind welcome back, and that was the same for uh, Panay Sewell too. First game against Nick Bosa in his NFL career. It's they've really faced a gauntlet of edge rushers, and at times Panay Sewell struggled because of it. But he's also the youngest left tackle in the NFL, the youngest left tackle to start since I think the seventies. So it's still good to see they're still they're building in the right direction. As painful as this season's been at times. Panay, go ahead. Be a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, guarantee. He got the pedigree for everything. He's he's a dog. He's athletic. Um, he's a natural leader. And I tell my young kids because I coach a ten year old football team, leaders don't come with ages. You ain't got to be a certain age to be a leader. It's either you got it or you don't. And you can tell from afar that Panay saw definitely he be he will be wearing that C on his jersey either next year. Or the year after. But he he's one of those guys that you can tell he's a natural leader. When you take and a 20-year-old and he's in Aaron Donald's face not backing down, that is just something else. There's there's no other way to put it. That's just something out of this world. I mean, a man look at it how I look at it, man. We put our pants on the same way. I don't care what your first or your last name is. <laughs> we put our pants on the same way. So. It's going to be two things. Either you beat me and I got to keep coming back till I beat you or vice versa. That's just how I was raised. And I'm sure Panesua was raised the same way. I love that. I love that. And I'll say this too. Sewell's going to be the best friend of whoever the Lions bring in as the quarterback of the future. And Jack, Ike and I talked about this to preview this game. In 2022, both the Lions and the Steelers are going to need quarterbacks we think they'll go about doing it a little bit differently. I think the Lions will probably target one of the young rookies coming in for the 2022 draft, whereas we both think that the Steelers might try to pursue a veteran, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, maybe a Russell Wilson, see who else is out there in free agency uh, to try to utilize this defense that has been very stout for the Steelers. So uh, we will move to the Taylor talk segment here in just a second here. And the footage courtesy of NFL Game Pass as well. We've got two plays that we're going to break down here too, Jack. So uh, how this works is we'll, we'll play the clip and then Ike usually breaks down what kind of coverage the opposing team is in, what stands out on the play too. So feel free to hop in and we kind of go back and forth of how it happens. And so we've got two clips from overtime. And the first is James Pierre making a clutch 
tackle in overtime and also drawing a holding penalty as well. And so oh, I, what I watch this again. Hey, hey, but listen, listen, we, we've got we've got one for you that goes in your favor for our right, second right. play, too. So um, but Ike on this play, what stuck out to me is this is not only does Pierre defeat the block, TJ Hawkinson is both taller and outweighs him. Hawkinson, 6'5", 248. James Pierce, 6'2", 185 on this play. But when I texted you, Ike, you said, this is the play I want to break down. So, Producer Herbert, if you want to pull this up now and roll the clip, I, I can break down the action for the, the viewers of the Believe It Steelers podcast. Yeah, so so it's third and four, and obviously it's third and four to score 16-16. And this is, this is overtime, but we always talk as a secondary guy. It's not, and they're trying to go for a, a quick shrink. If we can run that play back. It's not the size of the dog, it's the fight in the dog. And that's how you got to look at it. Don't even run it. Don't even run it. Just just pause it. It's not the size of the dog, it's the fight in the dog. So when you see, you know, James Pierre coming up to make this tackle on a crucial situation of third and four, he understands this means a lot to him. Now, Coach LeBeau used to always say, big man running, because we see Cam Hayward run 30 yards down the field all the time chasing plays, and little guys hitting. So little guys hitting meaning... It has to be a want to. So when it becomes a want to, you got to want to tackle a big guy. You got to want to tackle a running back. You got to want to go heads up with a with an offensive lineman if you're a secondary guy. From an offensive side, playing receiver, you got to want to block. That's why I like Chase Claypool because he said he want to be one of the best uh, blocking receivers in the league. That's a want to. That's an unselfish act. So when you see a James Pierre coming up on the third and fourth, Overtime score is 16 to 16, and, and he wants to make that play. He wants to make that tackle, regardless of who is in front of him, whether it's a 200-pound man or whether you're 350, I'm going to make this play because I know the 10 other guys are pitting on me. So if we can run this play, you're going to see all the want to that you need to from James Pierre on this third and fourth situation. Oh, my God, that's the thing of beauty. That's the thing of beauty. <laughs> That's the thing of beauty. Because he laid his body, he laid his life out on the line before, for his teammates. Even though they had a look at look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. So you got a tight end blocking. Nope. Nope. Let me slip. Catch the holding. Lay out. Referee called it. And I got action. <clears throat> That's a want to. That's a want to, man. Just like like the coach would tell this Detroit Lion, a tight end, you gotta want to block 42 to make sure we get this first down. James was thinking, my coach going to tell me, I got to want to make this play. And that's exactly what he did. Jack, hop in. What, what, what do you notice on this play? I notice how much that hurt, especially coming from TJ Hawkinson, where he's supposed to be one of the faces of the Detroit Lions. And not only was it this play, he had another penalty earlier in the game as well. And he was blanked in the receiving game. One target, no receptions for TJ Hawkinson. And when he's supposed to be your best player in the passing game, I would say DeAndre Swift is the best player on the offense at this point. But when, oh, yeah. when you have Hawkinson supposed to be this dual threat tight end who can block, push people around, and catch the ball over the middle, and he does neither of those things... It hurts. It hurts a lot, and it's very disappointing how TJ Hawkinson has played this season. I don't discount that he can turn it around at any point. He is a absolute freak, but we just need to see that want to, as Ike put it. Right. 
Two things I want to add to this, and we'll go to the next play. The field goal difference, if that play stands and the Lions go for a field goal attempt, that's a 42-yard field goal attempt. Ryan Santoso ends up missing a 48-yard field goal attempt after the penalty was assessed. The Lions still had another play that they ran. But that six-yard difference, likely, like, listen, 42-yard field goal, in a pressure situation where you you make it and you win versus a 48-yarder makes a huge, huge difference. And one other thing, too, like, you always say lose contain, you lose the game. While Pierre beats Hawkinson on the inside, he still reestablishes his position to make sure that he doesn't get beat to the outside on the play. So I thought that was also key. Well, you've been hanging around Ike too long. Well, you're getting very detailed. You, you're getting very detailed with these plays. I like it, Mark. No, you're 100% right. You know, you outside contain. If you if you let up outside contain, you lose the game. That's an old saying, and that's something that James Pierre didn't do. Even though he slipped inside, and coach will tell you now, if you wind up slipping inside, you better make sure you make that tackle coming back to the outside. And that's exactly what he did. But if he would have got caught, that would have been the first down. And the game probably would have been a little bit different, or Detroit would have scored on that one. So yeah, you got to stay outside. And he knew his understanding. He just thought he could beat him inside and make that play outside. So he bet it online on himself, and he won. <laughs> I love it. Shout out to the show sponsor. Ike. That was well done. We'll go to the next play, and I know Jack's going to be really excited to watch this one. And Ike, you were giving me some grief that I even picked out this clip for today's show. <laughs> Mark, you're a savage for this. Take <laughs> <laughs> a man while you're down, man. Hey, if you, hey Pat, I'm just going to let you know I did not pick this play, but I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. I didn't pick this play. Mark Bergen, my homeboy, my dog, my co-host, he picked this play. So that's, that's all I'm going to let you know, Pat. It was the biggest play of the game. And two things. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback could say, well, just throw Boswell out there. Would have been a 56-yard field goal attempt in less than optimal weather conditions. I know his career long is 59 and he's a very good field goal kicker. Steelers needed to get more yardage. And I want to say this too, Pat Fairmuth's had an excellent season for the Steelers. We've talked on previous episodes, Ike, where would the Steelers be without Fairmuth and rookie Najee Harris as well? So we'll put that caveat before we go ahead and, and, and run this clip. Yeah, so this clip is tough. You can just pause it, don't even run it. So this is a crucial situation and i'm sure pat is uh, hopefully pat is feeling better than what he fought felt felt like last night because i've been through a few of these times so pat let it go man you got a 48 hour rule man they have a, th this will be going on a couple of hours by the time tuesday come pat go on let this play go but this is a play where i thought the pittsburgh Steelers and mason rudolph actually was playing well in this drive you know he was he was checking down to some of the running backs coming out of the backfield he threw he threw to Deontay a few times to, 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 to make this play. He threw to Pat a few times to get in this situation. So I'm looking at this situation, and I'm looking at, okay, OT. And I saw what Chris Bosley can do, and we felt like other than Justin Tucker, Chris Boswell, the, the field goal kicker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's having the all-pro kind of season. So he just needed a chance, and that's, that's, that's how you feel. As much as we like these quarterbacks and you like Tom Brady in two minutes, if you get in the range of Chris Boswell, regardless of what the weather is, you feel like you got a chance, you feel like you got opportunities because he's been that hot for that long. Now it comes down to this play right here. So if we can run this play, we got to get the ball. We got to get the ball a couple of yards down the field as well, but we got to get out of bounds. And Mason Rudolph throws the bounds out. He throws the ball to Pat right on time. 
right on time. And if you see that green line, that green line is where Chris Boswell potentially could have kicked that field goal and won it for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Pat, you know, you got to Pat got to understand he got to hold and squeeze that ball tight. Like Coach Allen say, man, when you fumble the ball, you fumble all our hopes and dreams as a organization. But you do got to give a, a huge shout out to number 25 who came up and put his helmet on the ball. You know what I'm saying? But that was a perfect that was a perfect hit by the cornerback. That was an oopsie daisy by Pat. But uh, I'm sure he's feeling – hopefully he's feeling better. Pat, I'm talking about hopefully he's feeling better. But when a play needed to be, be made, it wasn't the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was actually the Detroit Lions. So that tackling right there is a want-to. And how we talk about the blocking, how we talking about missing, that tackling right there is a want-to. And he came up – he came up short, Pat, on the Pittsburgh Steelers side. But Detroit Lions, man, wind up getting that ball and, and kind of closing the game out. But um, I think if 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 Pat would have caught that ball, held on to that ball, you know, Chris Bosley would have, you know, sealed the deal. But that's just that's just the way it is, man. It's one man losses, another man treasure, and I'm treasure. And I'm not talking about girls. I'm talking about wins and losses when it comes down to this football game. Some guy, one guy gonna make a play, the other guy's gonna fumble it, and we just so happen to be on the fumbling side as the Pittsburgh still the smart. Why is you laughing? <laughs> the analogy you made. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, with Will Harris, number 25, being the one to force that fumble, he is the butt of Lions Twitter. Lions Twitter goes after him all the time because he's been beat quite a few times this season and last mm -hmm. season. And it's really a big moment because Tracy Walker, the Lions star safety, one of probably their best defensive player this season after the loss of Romeo Aquara. So he goes down against the Steelers, and Will Harris steps up big. Through the struggles, through everything, he had that want to. And that's what Dan Campbell is looking for from his team. They brought in UDFA to NBA Hall of Famer Ben Wallace to talk to the team this week. And that fumble by Deontay Johnson earlier in the game, that was forced by a UDFA who was, at one point, on the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad, Mark Gilbert. And he was only in because another UDFA who was starting at corner got hurt. And so... It's really just emblematic of what the Lions are trying to do as a team. The want to, the grit from these UDFA players or the players that have taken their lumps in the past. So I really love to see that from Will Harris. He really takes a lot on the chin. And this time he was able to deliver a big play in a big moment. And yeah, on, the can... Steelers, on the Steelers side of the ball, like really quickly... Jack's talking about undrafted free agent players. Think about how many first-round picks the Steelers have on that defense, and there were a lot of missed tackles yesterday. Yeah, it didn't. It did look good for the Pittsburgh Steelers, <clears throat> and this will be concerning to me. And I always said that if, if somebody wants to run on the Pittsburgh Steelers and they just commit to the run, that's exactly what the Detroit Lions did. They committed to the run. To the run, they slowed the game down. They held the time of possession in their favor. So the Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward when they get seven back, man, they got to they gotta nip this in the bud because when you got a run game, you saw what the Cleveland Browns did last year coming into Hines Field for the playoff game. When you have a run game, it just soothes everything out for the offense and it hurts the defense major. So that's exactly what the Detroit Lions did. And we was talking about this earlier during the week, Mark, that Detroit Lions, they always find a way to lose. That's how we looked at it. But we, we said one thing, these guys are going to be tough. They're going to be gritty. And one thing they do have, they do have a running game. And you can tell by how they're drafted what Coach Dan Campbell wants to do. He wants to start at the front, offense and defensive line. He wants to get some running backs who don't want to make nobody miss. 
He wants to get running backs who want to run people over. And that's exactly in the stable he have now in Detroit. So they just found the way Detroit running game. They found a way to be successful against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, moving forward, they got to nip that in the bud. I can't speak for Ike, Jack, but part of the reason I picked the Lions to cover in this game is if not for Justin Tucker, the Lions would have beaten the Ravens earlier this season. We both see that game, and it's like, okay, you know, Raven-Steelers is always a tough game, but this was a Lions team just from that physicality that Ike's talking about. That That's why we like them to cover. I thought Pittsburgh still should have won the game, but it, right. it played out the way that it did. Jack, uh, to end the show, we always just kind of go through the observations from the week. So outside of Lions-Steelers, feel free to take this in any direction that you choose. Just what were some of your observations and takeaways from around the league in Week 10? Well, so two of my favorite things that happened kind of coincide with each other. Number one, the Patriots are back. Bill Belichick has this team playing really well. Mac Jones isn't making mistakes. This defense is balling out. So that's number one. They are a threat in the AFC East at this point to take it from the Buffalo Bills. They're only a game behind with two matchups with Buffalo still. And number two is the Patriots' former quarterback, Cam Newton, making his return to the Carolina Panthers. I am a big Cam Newton fan. I've always thought he didn't get a fair shake in Carolina. The Patriots, I understood moving on from him because Mac Jones is so talented and Cam is such a big personality. It kind of could create some conflict. But to see him come back to Carolina, two plays, two touchdowns, that's the stuff that makes the NFL so good. These storylines that just everyone wanted to see. And I can't wait until next week when Cam makes his return at home in Carolina. That crowd is going to be electric. I love that. Ike, what about you? What, what did you what did you notice from week 10? Um, back. <laughs> Shout out to Cam for the two touchdowns and two plays. I'm glad to see him back. It's his personality, man. It's his swag. It's his hats. Mm. It's the way he dressed. He just loved the football game. And you can just tell, man, Cam ain't going to know what to do whenever his football career is because he's just his passion right now. It's just for the love of the football game. That's just what it is. And them guys don't come around too often. Now, my takeaway was the Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers defense. Nobody been talking about the Green Bay Packers defense, but the Green Bay Packers defense for the last four weeks, they've been number one when it comes down to, to to points, giving up points per game. And these guys been balling. And it's a reason why Aaron Rodgers don't have to throw for 350 yards again, where he can hand the ball off to Dylan, where he can hand the ball off to, to Aaron Jones, where he can tell Deontay, Devontae Adams, look, man, tonight, today, tonight is not going to be our night. We're going to run the ball. The next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll feed and I'll find you. But the Green Bay Packers defense have been playing lights out for the past four weeks, and they're missing three starters, by the way. Three starters, by the way. So I can only imagine once they get their three starters back in contention, back in that lineup, how good they'll look as well. But, you know, I'm a defensive guy, and I've always thought Green Bay had a pretty good defense. Aaron Rodgers can always lead them to a victory. But now the Green Bay Packers is having a – a great defense so far, especially the last four weeks when you're holding people down to 14, 15, 16 points for the past four weeks in the NFL where the rules have changed, where they can throw the ball whenever they want to and, and catch pass interference calls. They're not doing that. They're playing sound, 
fundamentally football. You're not going to be able to run on him. You're not going to be able to pass on him. And if you give Aaron Rodgers the ball how many times he wants to, he's going to cause you hell. But what I do like about Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers is understanding now this is December, November, December, January of football. I have to run the ball, get my, my, my running back in my running game in the rhythm. If they need me, as in the team, if the team needs me to pass the ball to win games, y'all all know in the world I can do that. But right now, man, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit back and chill. Even though I'm a pilot, I'm gonna make myself a passenger. When I want to go back to being a pilot, I will. Ike, I'm glad you mentioned the starters out. Aaron Jones, brand MCL. We'll see how much time he misses, but I know that's your guy in the Green Bay Packers running right, right. back, and we'll see how much time he misses, but been a vital piece to that Packers offense. I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction here. The Chiefs wake up this Monday morning atop the AFC West division at six and four. Big win on Sunday night football. I think just maybe we were pouring dirt on their grave a little bit. They eliminate some of the turnovers. They just a little bit better defense. You see what they can do when they protect the football. But when you when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes and because I was just speaking on Aaron Rodgers, but when you got like got a guy like Patrick Mahomes and he said, "Man, this is me," and he was like, "You know what? The reason why we losing some of these ball games, yeah, it's a team effort." But I haven't been playing well. When you got a head guy like that who admits it doesn't do it doesn't do anything, but makes everybody else step their game up because once you get off that podium from a post or pregame press conference, your guys like, "Nah, bro, that's us." So he's not throwing anybody under the bus. He's saying it's him. He said he's needs, he needs to get better. He said he needs to be more patient in his reach. He said he needs to check the ball down instead of trying to go for the deep ball every time. When you got a guy with that kind of talent admitting to the changes he need to do during the season, as a teammate, it's like this young man gets it. You know what? Let me do what I can do even more to help him get to the situation he needs to get to. That's why the Kansas City Chiefs or where they at. The defense always going to play all right to me. I never thought their defense was that good. I always thought they built their defense because they looked at, they they felt like they was always going to be ahead in the game so they can pin their ears back and get to the quarterback. Now, now that now that you putting the cover two on the offense and, and you need Patrick Mahomes to check down. Last night Patrick Mahomes had 10, 12, 11 play drives and that's the Patrick Mahomes you want to see. Because he's changing himself, Mark. So I agree with you 100%, man. But I always felt like when Patty Mahomes said, man, this is what I need to do. When he said, man, I get the team aspect, but I need to get better. I said, man, he don't want his team over right now. And it wasn't just that either. It was one of the things I noticed too was he wasn't checking it down to his second and third options. It was, okay, well, Tyreek Hill's covered, but I'm still going to throw the deep ball just because I'm I'm not trusting these guys. And then the running back, Darrell Williams, has over 100 yards 100, receiving. 109 yards receiving as a running back. Yeah, and he so like you said, Mahomes took ownership of that and said, I am going to trust my guys. And then Tyreek Hill, he was great too two touchdowns don't don't get me wrong but relying on those other players and then on the defense letting Chris Jones move back to the interior with uh the edge rusher Melvin Ingram just that completely changed the defense and now they can kind of pin their ears back and let Tyron Matthew make those plays in the secondary force uh, I can't remember who it was Rashad Fenton I think forced that Deshaun Jackson yeah. fumble too yeah. That's what they need to get back to is they're not a great defense, but they're always being an opportunistic one. Correct. The Snead, Snead, 
Sneed for them has been playing the best ball on defense. They cornerback number 38, Sneed. Sneed, Sneed um, I, I don't know if somebody's going to take offense to this, but I'll say it like this. I don't want to say how I want to say it the first time. Sneed is the little brother to Jalen Ramsey. That's 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 what I want to say because he, he he plays inside, he plays outside, he plays matchup ball. You know, he was lined up on Walla a little bit when it felt like Walla was going to get the ball on certain coverages or he can go outside and line up whoever – whoever you think is a threat on the outside. So Snead coming from, from Louisiana, Louisiana Tech product. Um, I was going to say I broke Jalen Ramsey. I didn't want to say that. That's Jalen Ramsey's <laughs> cousin, a little brother. Hey, Ooh. listen, Ike, if you're making that comparison, Jalen Ramsey's like wealthy. Even if you're a broke Jalen Ramsey, you're still rich. So I that <laughs> Still rich. You're 100% right. I want to say one other thing before we sign up here, too, to keep this in the AFC West. How about Larry Roundtree's touchdown celebration? My guy from Mizzou. One of the weirder celebrations I've seen, but I got to stick with my guy. A-plus for me on my end. One of the strangest touchdown celebrations. And even though the Chargers lost to the Vikings, I loved it, and I wanted to give him a shout-out here on today's show. Big shout-out to Larry Mizzou. I'll give it a nine, nine point five out of ten. You know, it was it was a little bit weird for my taste that that keeps it from the ten out of ten, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Hey, let me go ahead and give a shout out to uh, cause I, I, I didn't play, but I played with, and I know I'm gonna give a huge shout out cause Jack, I see you got a old old throwback Michael Irvin coming from the Miami U days sitting behind you, uh, Sean Sweetson. Uh, if nobody knows this guy, he's he was our kicker. Back in the day, when I want to say pound for pound, probably one of the hardest. I'm not talking about kickers. Probably one of the hardest hitters in the NFL. And y'all can go back and y'all can look at Sean Swisher Sweet. is what we used to call him. Pound for pound, this man probably hit harder than anybody I know. And got to give a huge shout out to the Hall of Fame of Calvin Johnson. I'm so glad I only played the man one time because if I would have kept playing him, uh, <laughs> it would have been, been tough on my mentals. <laughs> it would have been tough on my mentals. On that one, not the physical part. Mentally, it would have been tough. And we all know, man, when when you're mentally exhausted, it's not good, you know. So huge shout out to them three guys. Major shout out for you, Jack, coming on the show, man. We appreciate you. The little collab with the the Detroit Lions, believe in still this, uh, believe in podcast collab remix. So say we all part of the family, and that's how we do it. Got to give another shout out to my dog Mark Bergen for rocking with me twenty four seven. Major props to Bet Online uh, because they've been with us since day one. And if anybody got anything they want to bet on, make sure y'all go to Bet Online. Big shout out to Brinks TV for coming up with these, you know, exclusive stop and starts and making us look good on camera. And I'm gonna let my dog Mark close it out because this is what he do. Jack, I just want to thank you for coming on the show today too. And if you if you want the opportunity to plug your show with Jerry Ball too, the floor is yours. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I'm glad that the jerseys got the approval, especially the Sweezum one. Small town, Wallaceburg, Ontario, Canada. Yes, nice to see that that hockey player mentality that Sweezum had just laying people out. It was fun while it lasted for his career. Probably shortened it a little bit too much with those hits as well. But make sure you check out the Believe in Lions podcast with myself and 13-year NFL veteran Jerry Ball, former three-time Pro Bowler and All-Pro at Nose Tackle. 
for the Detroit Lions. He was so good that the Bengals were moving Hall of Fame left tackle Anthony Munoz to guard just to handle Jerry. So the man is talented on the field. The man is talented off the field on a microphone. So make sure you check out the Believe in Lions podcast. And thank you guys again so much for having me on. Man, appreciate you coming on, Jack. Thank you. For Jack Cavanaugh and Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast later this week. I'm going to leave our listeners and viewers with this tease, Ike. We've got one of Ike's former teammates on the show later this week. So be sure to keep it locked here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.